The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Following in the footsteps of a little-known group of esoteric seekers from the late 19th century who call themselves the Miracle Club, tonight's guest shows that the spiritual wish-fulfillment practices known as the Law of Attraction, Positive Thinking, The Secret, and The Science of Getting Rich actually work. Tonight, we'll discuss how your thoughts can impact reality and make things happen. His new book is titled The Miracle Club, How Thoughts Become Reality where he includes crucial insights and effective methods for the movement's leaders, such as Ralph Waldo Emerson, Napoleon Hill, Neville Goddard, William James, Andrew Jackson Davis, Wallace D. Waddles, and many others, defining a miracle as circumstances or events that surpass all conventional or natural expectation. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button. Join me on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And to help you in your pursuit of miracles and achievement of power over your own life, tonight's special guest is Mitch Horowitz, a Penn Award-winning historian, longtime publishing executive, and a leading new thought commentator with bylines in the New York Times, Time, Politico, Salon, and the Wall Street Journal, and media appearances on Dateline, NBC, CBS Sunday Morning, All Things Considered, and Coast to Coast AM. He is the author of several books, including Occult America and One Simple Idea. Mitch Horowitz joins us directly from the Big Apple, New York City. Hello, Mitch, and welcome to Veritas. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Mel. Pleasure to be here. My pleasure. Well, as I was finishing your book, I realized you have other books that are different. You you seem to be very open-minded and, and carry a lot of information of different topics. But first, why did you name your book The Miracle Club? Well, it was named in homage to a group of people who are really my heroes. Uh, there was a small occult salon that gathered together on the west side of Manhattan, where I live, in the year 1875. And they determined to group together to explore life's mysteries. They were interested in seances and table wrapping and mediumship and the occult powers of the mind. And they only stayed together a very short time, but they formed the nucleus for a much larger and more influential group called the Theosophical Society, which will be familiar to some of your listeners. Right. And of, of, of course, Blavatsky. Or, Madame Blavatsky, Colonel Henry Steele Olcott, and some of their early members included Thomas Edison and Abner Doubleday. And they, of course, launched the whole revolution in alternative spirituality that swept the globe. Their earlier group, the first group, the Miracle Club, although it was around just a precious few months, it had such a spirit of experimentation and informality that I wanted to reach backwards and not only pay tribute to these people who were heroes of mine, but also to encourage us today to take up that spirit of personal experimentation, religious experimentation, spiritual experimentation that animated their efforts. And that's what I invite everybody to do in the Miracle Club. I think it's very important also to set the stage because 
when people read your book and they don't know who you are, they see somebody well-spoken, successful. I don't know why, but most people think, well, Mitch must have been born with a silver spoon. Yes. And that's not right. Before we get, I think it would be important. Just share with us what you did to overcome adversities and your road to success. Sure. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in the borough of Queens in New York City. And Queens, for anybody listening who doesn't know, is a, an outer-lying borough of New York. When you grow up in Queens, you refer to Manhattan as the city. You feel like you're very far away from it. And uh, my mother was a medical secretary. My father was a legal aid attorney. He defended the poorest of the poor. And we ran into some very deep and desperate financial difficulties when I was a kid. My parents uh, split up. We were in danger of losing our home. And part of my way of dealing with this was to begin to dive into inspirational and motivational literature of all types, ranging from the Talmud to the works of Ralph Waldo Emerson to more contemporary works. And I came to feel that a person's thought does wield some measure of influence in a very concrete way over his circumstances. And I developed this interest early in adolescence, and I, I rediscovered it and really sustained it into adulthood. Now, you quote Helen Wilmans in your book, and Wilmans yes. wrote in her 1899 book, The Conquest of Poverty. Can a person, by holding certain thoughts, create wealth? Have you found the yes. answer? The answer I've found is that it is an absolute contributing factor. We live under many laws and forces, and life is a complexity of factors, but there is no question in my mind that the mind also possesses extra physical properties, that thoughts are causative, and everybody owes it to him or herself to view their minds as a tool of causation, a tool of actualization. Again, it's not the only influence in our lives, and it's not the only thing that's going on. I would never deny the persistence of economic factors, cultural factors, physical factors, and accidents, frankly. But the mind is one profoundly important, vital, and underappreciated tool that you possess, that's there for you at any given moment. And thoughts do contribute to the actual concretization of events in a way that goes beyond cognition and motor function. So the answer is a qualified yes. The answer is a qualified yes. And that's fantastic enough because we go through life just thinking of our minds as something that we use to make lists and to get from point A to point B. And it certainly is that, but it's also much, much more than that. And can the mind be a wealth building tool? The answer is yes. And I explore some of the methods in the book. It's not uh, the exclusive force in our lives. We don't live under one mental super law. Again, I can't emphasize enough that there are a complexity of laws and forces, but the mind is part of that complexity and we can learn to use it and we can exercise it and we can get better and better at it. And to achieve our goals, shouldn't our goals be realistic? I think this is a problem that a lot of people face. They don't seem to have realistic goals and shouldn't we have a clear and definite aim? Yeah, it's it, these are fascinating questions. You know, first of all, I'll answer the second one first. No single factor is of greater benefit to the individual in focusing the energies of his or her mind than having one definite absolute aim. It is the law of nature that concentration brings power. 
what is a laser other than concentrated light? Uh, anytime you find some sort of creative or destructive force in nature, you'll always find a concentration of forces, whether it's tectonic plates crashing against one another, whether it is the sun's rays focused on a certain spot and helping to gestate a seed. Concentration is power. It's a universal law. The same is true of our thoughts. And so I encourage people first and foremost, and this is probably the most vital single point in my work, if people take nothing else from it, act on this. Have one single absolute goal. It's extraordinary. I know that we we all live complex lives and we all feel multiple uh, needs and demands on our lives. I understand that and I feel the same thing. But regardless of that, nature makes a kind of tough but extraordinary bargain with us. And that is that you'll get exactly what you want or something very close to it if, if you can focus your emotions, your mental energies, and your passions on one key core goal. There's absolutely nothing else that is more effective in heightening the energies of your mind than having one definite aim. So I always tell people, if, if you want to walk, if you walk away from my work with only one point uh, on which you're willing to act, act on that one. It's, it's, it's probably the closest thing to a magic elixir that life grants to us. Mitch, I think you and I probably walked in two different places when before the Internet and after the Internet, before cell phones and so on. Growing up, I remember there were probably three, four channels on the TV. Right yeah. now, <laughs> kids and, and young adults have the at their disposal, you know, libraries. They can just find research at, at a thing in the fingertips. At the same time, I talk to a lot of friends who want to succeed, and they tell me, I just can't focus. It's almost as if I have a computer with 50 windows open. It's almost like you're on a radio and you're just turning the dial every few seconds. It's very difficult to focus these days. Is it easier to succeed today than it was, say, 30, 40 years ago? Well, that's interesting. I mean, for me, Social media is a mixed blessing, as it is for all of us, but at the same time, it's helped me to reach audience members all over the world. It's been extraordinary for me. I think that regardless of the era that one grew up in, regardless of the technology that's available to you or that you choose to use or not use, no single force is in your life is greater than passion. Having a passion for one thing will tend to clear away all kinds of detritus and unnecessary things in your life, including, frankly, relationships that are unnecessary. When you become focused on one aim, you don't waste a lot of time uh, watching television or doing things that just distract you for hours and hours on end. You don't waste a lot of time in small talk. You tend to focus your life on your work and on people you love. And again, that one pointed focus is just a, a, of immeasurable importance. Uh, if you have that, then technology and the other distractions of life begin to recede into the distance or they become productive tools. I believe me, I don't sit around on Twitter and Facebook circulating memes of, you know, funny kittens and things like that. <laughs> Although I love cats, don't get me wrong. But 
I just don't have time for frivolity. I don't watch uh, videos. I don't uh, spend time on social media unless it pertains to something that I really care about. Um, You know, having a a, a passionate aim tends to – it clarifies. It clarifies. When people are procrastinating, it's either because they're they're in fear or they're in boredom. And when you have a real aim, uh, you suffer from neither. Now, what a, those were great words. You're either in fear or in boredom. Which yeah. of the two do you think that most people face today? That's a wonderful question. It's funny in a way because you look at the problem of procrastination, for example, which a lot of people complain about. Procrastination is basically a form of fear. So my guess would be that most people probably suffer from from fear above all else. And fear leads to boredom because fear will take you away from doing your essential work in life. And that's when you find yourself just piddling away your time, uh, engaged in time-killing exercises, useless exercises online. And it's funny, boredom can also lead you to fear because boredom is actually very dangerous. Boredom is a dangerous and unlucky state to be in because when you're bored, you tend to take risks or get involved in frivolous or wasteful activities that can play havoc with your life, like getting involved with online gambling or substance abuse or things like that. You know, boredom is, is, is almost its own pathology that can circle you back around to fear. The two are like a, a negative yin yang. And I, I think one has to be very careful when you're in a state of boredom because it can lead you to doing reckless things. It's not a natural state. It's a state that we crave relief from, I think. And uh, sometimes we confuse and conflate boredom and fear. They are both related in a certain way because they both um, they both promote inactivity. They, they promote idleness because they're keeping you from doing something essential in life. Well, another problem I see, Mitch, is the notion of immediate gratification. We're almost in today's day and age. We want everything right now. And you yes. see companies morphing into these companies. I mean, look at, well, Amazon. Now you have yes. a same day service in the past. I loved it. Just, you know, lick my envelope with my little money order, check or <laughs> cash and wait six weeks for my record to arrive. So yes. immediate gratification, uh, uh, pain, avoidance of pain, uh, people that cannot be sad. Uh, aren't these regular, normal emotions, we just need to deal with them the right and normal way? Yes, it's interesting. And believe me, I'm the worst offender. I mean, I can sit there ordering things on Amazon that it never would have dawned on me that I needed were it not for the oh, fact me that too. it's just a click away. Um, in effect, everything in our society conspires to rob us uh, of the capacity of patience. Everything as you've alluded, is a a kind of just-in-time gratification. And when you're really using your mental energies and working towards something in life, you need persistence. You need patience. These are not just old-fashioned virtues that we like to talk about, but they're vital stepping stones. If you're an artist, if you're a student, if you're a soldier, if you're a teacher, whatever it is that you're doing in life, if you're trying to attain some kind of distinction, You need a great deal of perseverance, not only to 
hone your craft and become excellent at what you do, but to push past temporary setbacks, which are going to uh, greet you uh, with some regularity. Now, sometimes within the new thought field and other spiritual movements, people will counsel the need for faith and talk about the importance of having faith. And there are times where I find faith, personally speaking, a very fuzzy concept, a, a difficult concept to, to grasp and to describe. But it occurred to me that when you encounter the word faith, you could almost always substitute in the word persistence or perseverance, and the meaning is unaltered. So if you have trouble, as I do, relating to the term faith, think of faith as, as persistence, because persistence will essentially accomplish the same thing. And if you want to harness your mental energies and if you want to achieve goals in life, uh, persistence is, next to having a definite aim, persistence is probably the most important factor. Well, faith, persistence, perseverance, and if I might, I'll add intention, which carries yes. energy and intent. Isn't that part of the energy in order to achieve a goal? Absolutely. Absolutely. All these things are really effects that grow out of possessing a passionate goal, a passionate wish, a passionate desire. And I think all of us have one, but sometimes we feel it's not actionable. In fact, you had you had posed the question earlier, must a goal be actionable? You know, and, and, and of course the answer is yes. You don't want to be indulging in idle daydreams or chimeras or fantasies. New thought as a movement, and, and by new thought I mean the positive mind movement, the movement that has as its central principle thoughts are causative a principle I very deeply agree with, New Thought often counsels people that the mind is limitless, that anything that you can picture, you can achieve. And I agree with that up to a point, up to a point. I would add to that, that an aim, a goal, an intention, in order for it to be authentic, it must be actionable, even if it's in some small way. There should be something that you can do, some step forward that you can take, uh, towards the furtherance of your aim. If there's absolutely nothing realistic that you can do, then I would question whether it's an authentic goal, whether it's an authentic aim, or it's just a daydream. And again, the way you can always test it is by asking yourself, is there something I can do today in the here and now that will contribute to the furtherance of this goal? Uh, if there's training that's required, can I get the training? Can I begin to research how to get the training? Is there some rehearsal or drilling or steps that I can take that'll put me in the right direction? Are there people uh, to whom I can speak? If you can't really think of any steps that you can take in the direction of your aim, it's probably not authentic. Not that I'm any close to Nikola Tesla, but I remember reading somewhere years ago where he used to envision the finished product of whatever he was conceptualizing in his mind, and then he would work backwards. Do that's you think that's a, that's a good strategy? 
Yes, I do. In some regards, I spent my whole life doing that. You know, I, I didn't publish my first books until I was past the age of 40. And I always like to point that out to people because I wasn't some whiz kid who was on this career track very early on. Um, Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.